Today we're going to start a, a series of talks on relationships. It's something that we do every year because uh, relationships are so vital to our health and growth as individuals, but also spiritually they're really important for us. And on the next slide we'll see um, a guy called John Wimber who founded the Vineyard Movement and led it for many years. And he said, everything we do is based on relationships. That's quite a big statement, but I think uh, it's, it's very true. As I started to think about this series, it struck me how my personal story has been about relationships and the blessings that they've brought. And, uh, but also it reminded me how dangerous it is when I pull away from relationship and just... Uh, it's very easy for me to become isolated, that's one of the things with my personality type, but also with my job, and it's good to be aware that that can lead to bad decisions, bad choices, if I pull away from people. So I thought that this morning, I'm going to tell you my story, or at least some of it. Uh, We'd be here for a very long time if I told you all of it. And uh, I want to bring out some of the lessons that I've learned over the last few years or as the boys would say, a few thousand years. And uh, I will find, surprise, surprise, that the things that I've learned are there in the Bible. And even if your story is very different to mine, you'll find that the things that God has been speaking to you about and teaching you, even if you didn't realize the lesson was from him, are actually there in the Bible as well. So some of my earliest memories are of knowing that God was my heavenly father, that Jesus died on the cross so that I could be forgiven and that I would spend eternity with God. Certainly by the time I was aged about four or five, that was very real to me. How much I understood it in my head or intellectually, I really don't know, but it was real. It was something that I was very conscious of. And one of the earliest verses from the Bible that I learned Those of you brought up in churches may have had this one as well. John chapter 3 verse 16. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. It's all about God's love, him allowing us to have faith in him, and then he gives us eternal life. And that was real to me very early on. We're told that the majority of people come to faith in Jesus through a relationship they have. And in fact, most people estimate something like 95% of people who come to faith in Jesus do so through a relationship. It's very rare for someone to walk past a church and just walk in or to see some advertising. I think advertising is something like 1% of people who come to faith. But 95% of people come to faith through relationships. And that was certainly true for me. It was through the love of my parents that I came to know the love of God. I felt like I was my parents' favorite. I have an older brother and a younger sister and I knew that, they, that my parents loved them just as much as 
They loved me because they told us so. They wanted to make sure that was, that was clear. But the strength of my parents' love made it feel like I was their favourite. And it, that transferred over into my relationship with God as well. I felt like God's favourite. You know, how God could possibly love you as much as he loves me, I really don't know. But the amazing thing is that he does, that God doesn't have favourites. And it doesn't matter what's gone on in our lives, where we've come from, or anything like that, that his love for each one of us is vast, isn't it? It's incredible. It's beyond our understanding. It's bigger than we can ever come to the end of. And so each one of us can feel like his favourite. Everybody can know his love. <clears throat> Everybody can come into relationship with him. And so that's the first heading I want to put up. We come to faith through relationships. This year, we can be deliberate about seeking to introduce our friends to Jesus. Let's use our relationship networks, whether that's close friends, our physical neighbours, people we work with, people we socialise with, our family, you know, wherever we're connecting with people, let's be deliberate about using those connections that God has given us. He hasn't put us there by mistake, and in fact, we may be the only person that that person knows who is a follower of Jesus. And so we have a wonderful opportunity, an incredible privilege to be able to start to introduce those people to Jesus. The best thing that could happen for anybody that we know is that they would come to know Jesus for themselves. So can you agree with me that this year we're going to ask God to give us his help to bring people to him and that we would make that a priority in our prayers and in our action. A few people are nodding. Some of you hopefully are nodding on the inside as well, but uh, let's make that a priority. And one of the reasons we have the Alpha course coming up starting at the beginning of February is to help us with that process. You may have some friends who are ready for that stage to come and hear some more. Uh, for others, they may not be ready to do that yet. So we do other things. We do social things. So uh, in February, we've got a clay shoot coming up and you can invite your friends along to that one. Uh, I think because the ladies have objected, objected to it being a men-only event before that we will open it to the fairer sex as well. Yeah. Sorry? <laughs> you don't need to worry about that. <laughs> have you noticed that from even from a very early age, none of us are perfect? Those of you with little children are probably, you know, can resonate with that one. Um, my brokenness, especially in the area of sex, often made me feel totally worthless and unlovable. By the time I was in my early 20s, I was trapped in sexual fantasy and masturbation, and the shame and the feelings of guilt used to come directly against this awareness and experience of God's love. And I used to think, you know, how could God love me? How could God ever use someone as messed up and as broken as me? The problem with addictive behavior, and that includes sexual addiction, is that it pulls us away 
from people. It pulls us away from relationship. Addiction tends to be a secret behavior. And with sexual addiction, we become lost in a world of fantasy where we are the hero with no weaknesses and our needs are always met by people who just fawn on us and we believe the fantasy that we don't need other people in reality. The way to find freedom from addiction is firstly to admit to ourselves that we have a problem and then to admit it to somebody else as well. The Bible says, James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, in some churches, you know, you go to the priest and you do your confession and, you know, there's a screen in between you and you don't see who it is and, you know, where's the accountability in that? Where's the relationship in that? I think what this means is that when you are here on a Sunday morning or when you're in your connection group, then you grab somebody that you trust and you say, I need to tell you about this, I need to confess this, I'm struggling with this sin in my life and I, I need you to pray for me, I need you to support me. And, uh, and so we, we care for each other, we pastor each other in that sense. It was when I arrived here in Oxford to go to theological college that I asked some friends to pray for me and uh, hoped that their, pr their prayers would be like a switch that would, you know, solve everything in one go, but it didn't work like that. And uh, it wasn't just a one-off prayer time. I had to go back to them again and again. And, uh, you know, I thought of myself as, you know, I'm, I'm training to be a church leader. I'm supposed to have it together. You know, if church leaders don't have it together, then, you know, there's no help for any of us. And, and this battled against my pride, it against, uh, battled against my feelings of needing to be self-sufficient. And God used all of that to uh, bring about some healing, to heal a very broken area in my life, but also to break down things like isolation and to teach me to press into relationship. I used to feel like every time I went to ask someone to pray for me or help me that I was being a burden to them. I don't know if you ever feel that way. And, uh, and my friend said to me, the reason we're here is to be able to support you. The reason God puts us in this church family is so that we can be here to support each other. Like many men in this country, I'd been told not to express emotion and like many men in this country, the result was disastrous. Emotion is there, whether we feel it or not, and it will come out. And the more we try and repress it, the more it squirts out at the sides, usually in a very destructive and unhelpful way. So the second heading for us is that healing comes to us through relationships. Sometimes people say they think I'm brave to be so open when I'm speaking or uh, that was one of the main comments I got with the book I wrote as well and uh, to me it doesn't feel like being brave, uh, often I'd rather not talk about it but I value reality and I think we need to be bold with the stories that God's given us. Our stories of brokenness illustrate the love and power of God. 
And in fact, if we can't talk about them, it may indicate that we're not free or there's something else that God wants to do to set us free. So I want to encourage you this year to tell your story of brokenness because it illustrates his story, his goodness, his power to save. So tell people about how Jesus set you free from sexual brokenness or affairs that you've had or... um, eating disorders or uh, you were ma- perhaps you were demonized or feeling suicidal or whether it, maybe it was something different like bankruptcy, pride, addictions, greed, gossip, you know, there's so much brokenness that we carry and Jesus is in the business of healing us and setting us free and we can tell those stories because it brings glory to him and it illustrates to a broken world that there is a healer. So let's give glory to Jesus for what he's done and show people his power to change broken lives. While we're on the subject of healing, I want to slip in another story. Uh, I had another clear emotional healing while I was uh, doing a placement with David and Mary Pitches at St Andrew's Chorley Wood. I was just following David round a lot of the time and... uh, During a couple of the worship times, I noticed that people around me were having the most incredible time worshipping God and an amazing encounter with God. And I was standing there feeling completely disconnected and not part of it at all. So I had a chat with Mary. I said, uh, told her what was going on. And she said, oh, that's um, uh, very often we make secret vows which bind us emotionally. We don't realize necessarily that we've made them and uh, she was very perceptive, uh, whether it was prophetic or whether she just took one look at me and thought, goodness me, he needs help. So uh, as she talked about it, suddenly a situation came to mind that I'd completely forgotten about. When I was about five, maybe six years old, I'd seen some young girls playing and being very emotional and I said to myself I will never be emotional like that and I will never lose control emotionally and that became a secret vow which bound me it meant that even if I did want to express emotion I couldn't because there was this these chains and it meant also that in worship it was impossible or uh, not impossible, but it was much harder than it should have been for me to engage with God and worship him and experience him in a, in a free way. So I asked Mary to pray for me and she said, well, uh, you just need to ask God to forgive you for making the secret vow, because after all it was my problem and so I needed to deal with it with Jesus. And then uh, after I'd done that without any fuss, she broke the power of the vow. There were no fireworks. Uh, I didn't feel a thing, but the next worship time was completely different. There were emotions that I hadn't felt, uh, hadn't been aware of, and I was able to engage with Jesus in a fresh way. Healing comes to us through other people. So, just to go back a few years uh, to when I left school, I was very happy that God uh, seemed to be directing me towards working on a farm and especially happy that there was no indication that I should work in the church. 
And that was a great relief to me. My dad was a vicar in the Church of England. And having seen it from the inside, I really didn't want to have anything to do with that kind of work. Although I love Jesus, um, I certainly didn't want to work in the church. And I would rather have been a road sweeper or toilet cleaner than work in the church. Uh, that was my high esteem of the job. Uh, but God says that he'll guide us, doesn't he? There are all sorts of different verses in the Bible. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will be able to learn and know what God's will is for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God has a great plan for your life this year. God speaks to us in so many different ways, primary ways through the Bible, and he leads us on the pathway that is right for each one of us. So when I left school, I needed to do a year on a farm before going on to agricultural college, and so I put an advert in Farmer's Weekly magazine. And uh, it doesn't work this way anymore because uh, the market has changed so much, but I had eight responses to my advert. I was offered four jobs and I turned them all down because I thought God was telling me that I would get the fifth one um, but the difficulty with that was that I wasn't even going to be able to have an interview for another month so I turned the four jobs down and I waited for the fifth one and uh, I did get it but looking back now I think did I really do that? Um, but I sense God leading me very, very clearly, very strongly on that. I know I would have talked it through with my parents. I respected their, uh, their opinion, their wisdom. Um, their input was also involved when God called me to leave farming and to start working in the church. Uh, after God had clearly led me to different jobs on farms and very much felt his hand blessing that, I was working on a farm that was uh, owned by a Christian guy. He was setting up the visit of Billy Graham to Bristol, which meant that he needed an extra pair of hands on the farm. And uh, after being there, I'd been there for a few months, he came in one evening and he said, uh, I think you're wasting your time on the farm. I think you ought to be ordained. If someone had said that to me six months before, I would have run a mile, I can assure you. But I realized, actually, I think that's what God's saying. And I realized that God had been working in me without me realizing. It's very sneaky of him, but he's allowed to do that. And he was changing my thinking, changing my desires. And although I still loved farming and still do, uh, I, I knew that uh, my boss was right, that I needed to leave farming and go and work in the church. So went home that weekend told my mother, she said, well that's interesting because the evening after your boss spoke to you, I'd been she'd been reading her Bible and it was the bit where King Saul says to Jesse, send me your son David who's with the sheep. And uh, although I was working on a dairy farm, I, it was sheep that I particularly enjoyed working with. And at that point, mum felt God say, you need to release Andrew from the farm. Because it was the family farm that I was heading towards. And uh, so I told Dad, and he was preparing a talk on being obedient to whatever God calls you to do. So it was a real stitch up, and uh, 
Heading number three. God speaks to us through relationships. One of the reasons that God needed to break down my self-sufficiency, my isolation, was because I needed the wisdom, the prophetic insight, and the help of other people. And I still do. The bigger the decision, the more important it is that we have wise people around us who, uh, who we can go to, who will reflect back to us and speak into our lives. And so I would encourage you to get external confirmation for the decisions that you make, particularly the large decisions. Don't try and go it alone. But at that point you may say, well, what about if they get it wrong? My experience is that God is bigger than that. And that God leads me. If I stay faithful to what he calls me to do, then he leads me. So for example, when Mandy and I were moving from Whitney, where we were working to join the vineyard in the London, uh, in Southwest London Vineyard, uh, one day we were driving along the A40 and we were just approaching the, the bridge at Marston. And I felt God say that we would be back in Oxford after a year planting a church. And so I mentioned that to John Mumford, who was the leader of the church we were going to join. And uh, it was under his leadership and authority that we were coming. And I take that very seriously. And he said, no, just come and settle into the church and after two or three years, we'll see what God's saying. So I'd sense God saying one thing, John said something else, you know, what do, what do you do in that situation? Well, my job was to come under John's authority. And actually it was really good advice. We settled into the church more thoroughly than we would have done if we thought we weren't going to be there for very long. We learned so much more and we got to know people so much better than we would have done. But in fact, we came back to Oxford after a year to plant this church. Uh, it wasn't that John was wrong. It was simply that God hadn't spoken to him about it yet. But God did and made it very clear. And uh, it was confirmed in an, many other ways as well. So I knew I could come under John's authority without fear. If John got it wrong, then it was between John and God to sort it out. And... Uh, my job was to come under John's authority and to trust God with that process. And uh, I realize that's a, a big subject, so feel free to come and chat about that over lunch or some other time. But uh, all of us in, in our spiritual growth go through a phase where we learn to come under authority. And God needs to take us through that before we then learn to use authority. And using authority is much, much harder than coming under authority, although it may not feel that way when, you, when you're learning to, to come under authority. In the Bible, Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those, who, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Have you noticed how easy it is to mishear God? Ever done that? Many a time. 
And that's why it's important to involve wise people in the big decisions. And the more emotionally we're involved with a decision, the more difficult it is to hear clearly. God often speaks to us through the natural processes and feelings in our body. And so if God speaks through our desires, it's very possible that our own desires get mixed up with that and distort what God is saying. Or maybe we come out with a conclusion that actually isn't what God is saying, it's just our own, our own stuff. So when Mandy and I met, uh, I thought God had told me that I would marry somebody else. I was wrong, I'm glad to say, 33 years later. And uh, the feeling was so strong, I was convinced that God had spoken. So God needed to grab my attention. You know, the reason I'm leading this church is because I really struggle with spiritual things. I'm not a, I'm not a spiritual giant, I'm not, um, you know, sometimes you come across people and you think, being spiritual just looks so easy for them. Well, I'm, I'm not one of those, I can assure you. So God needed to grab my attention. So I was staying at Mandy's parents' house and at about three o'clock in the morning, it felt as though as I woke up, someone had shaken me and spoken and the voice was just left ringing in my mind. And uh, that had happened to me twice before and on each occasion uh, when I tested it out, it was clearly uh, what God, it was God getting my attention. Um, so the words on this occasion that were ringing in my mind were, ask Mandy to marry you. You know, that's how subtle God is with me at times. And uh, sometimes I think he's so desperate to get our attention that he has to intervene in unusual ways. Certainly has, has to with me. Maybe it's easier if we have wise friends who can advise us. The last thing I want to touch on uh, is the fourth heading. My life is directed by relationship with Jesus. You may already have noticed God directing me through these different bits of the story. A, a clear call and direction to go into farming, partly seen by the desires that God put in me, but also his provision of jobs, answers to prayer, and so on. Then a, call, a clear call from uh, farming to work in the church. When I was at Theological College, again, a clear direction to go and work in Whitney, and again when we joined the Vineyard Movement as well. Each of these was tested, and I've had to learn to move from self-sufficiency to involving other people. And so I seek out wise people who can advise me, and I do that with church, I do that with the businesses that we're trying to set up as well. There have been numerous times when I've taken an idea to our staff or to the leadership team and very often coming back from a conference where everything sounded so exciting and they were seeing a gazillion people coming to faith and raising the dead and you know all that kind of stuff, that, that's what gets me excited anyway, and uh, came back and said, you know, how about, why don't we do this? And, uh, and they've said no. We don't think that's what God's saying. We don't think that would fit here. We don't think it would fit the culture and uh, what God's calling us to do. And so I dropped the idea. Uh, because we all get it wrong sometimes. 
it's very easy to get enthusiastic about something that isn't necessarily what God wants to do here. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me, still loves me, and gave himself for me. The reason I do what I do is because of Jesus. The reason I lead this church, Mandy and I lead this church, is not because of personal preference, but because Jesus told us he wanted us to do this. The reason we do it here in Oxford is because he made it very clear that Oxford was the right place rather than Guildford or one of the other places that we were looking at. The same is true of the cider and apple juicing business that we do and the carbon offset program that we're looking at. The only reason I'm doing them is because Jesus is pointing, I think, to do them. And it's always an experiment, isn't it? You think God's telling you to do something, you get wise advice and then you try it and you soon find whether or not he's telling you to do that and whether it was just an interesting idea. And, uh, but as it says here, I don't live for myself, I live for Jesus. And uh, I don't know how you see it, but I want to be completely sold out for Jesus. Whatever he wants is what I want. Whatever he directs, I want to go. My life is directed by relationship with Jesus. Philippians chapter 1 verse 20. I trust that my life will bring honour to Christ, whether I live or die. For me to live, uh, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. There's a big difference between living as a slave and living as a son. A slave does what the master tells them to do because they have to. They have no choice. But as a son, I live from thankfulness. The reason I do what I do is because Jesus has done so much for me. It's a simple choice of thankfulness and therefore surrender to him. I submit my freedom to him as a thank offering for everything that he's done for me because he's been so good. And so I serve because of thankfulness, because I'm a son and not a slave. Everything we do is based on relationship. And that's seen in the way we come to faith. It's usually through the involvement of other people. And we can help other people come to faith in Jesus this year. Our spiritual growth and healing is also hugely impacted by other people. Yes, it's really important to have time alone with God. That's absolutely one of the you know, key things, foundational things we need to do. But other people are involved as well. And the more we can let the barriers down to other people, the greater the potential we have to experience the blessings that God has for us. Each one of us has a powerful story of coming to know Jesus and experiencing him, bringing healing, healing our brokenness. So let's be bold in telling the stories of what Jesus has done this year. We also know that God speaks to us. The primary way he speaks to us is through the Bible, uh, but he puts us in relationships so that we can test that we are hearing him correctly. 
So find wise people and don't make major decisions without consulting them. And then finally, allow Jesus to direct your life. He has a plan for your life which is so much better than anything you could have dreamed up. That doesn't mean to say it's going to be easy, but uh, you'll have Jesus with you every step of the way. There have been some huge challenges that we've faced, but God has been faithful, he's been with us every step of the way, and I'm really looking forward to what he's going to do in this next stage of my life, our church's life, as we work together and seek him together. Mandy and I are also here to walk with you and to help you uh, with the experience that we've gained over the years and there are many others in this church who are very experienced as well and can help with that too. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet but perhaps know about him rather than knowing him personally then we would love to introduce you to him today. So you can talk to the person that you came with or come and chat to Mandy or me or uh, we'd love to introduce you to him today. So that's, that's my story, but it's about the goodness of God. And uh, the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning, and uh, well it's afternoon I think, isn't it, or not quite. So uh, let's, let's ask him to come, shall we? So uh, why don't you stand? Our bodies are more open when we're standing than when we're sitting. So Holy Spirit, I ask again that you would come and that you'd remind us of the good things that you've done for us. That you'd make for each one of us that it would be fresh again, the reality of what we've been set free from. An eternity cut off from you, an eternity of misery, suffering, death. We thank you for the new life that you give us. And we ask that you give us boldness and clarity to be able to speak the words that you give us in different situations, to be able to tell people about what you've done for us and the difference that you've made. And we ask, Father, that you'd accelerate this process with us, the stories, hearing what you're doing, but also accelerate our ability to be a bit open to you and to be able to let the barriers down and to receive from you and to receive through other people. Father, thank you for each person that you've placed in this church. Thank you for the friendships that are here. Uh, we value them highly. We don't take them for granted. And we ask, Lord, that you would make this place a place of healing again this year, that this would be a place where lives change where addictions are broken, where people feel safe to come and say, I struggle with that too. So Holy Spirit, just uh, we want to give you freedom here to come and work, and to come and work in our lives, to come and work in this church.
And Holy Spirit, I ask that you come and that you would strengthen us with your power that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. That we would be rooted and established in your love. So Holy Spirit, come. So just carry on receiving. We're not going to rush this. We've got plenty of time before lunch. So just carry on receiving. Soak up as much of the Holy Spirit as you can. Thank you. 